have a special place in our society one of the greatest failings of democracy in general and certainly indian democracy is that uh, too few get too many benefits and many others don't get anything at all or far less than their fair share i could talk about this at length but this is not the right place for it but entrepreneurship is a way to break some of that because the true nature of capitalism requires level playing fields requires innovation requires upsetting established orders and the old kind of um, you know creative destruction uh, shampeter definition of capitalism and that's what i think organizations like tai promote support encourage if we have very few people who control the bulk of the economy or a stock market or a public exchange the value of it this is not an efficient market outcome uh, in a large economy with hundreds of millions of people we need to have lakhs and lakhs and lakhs of successful entrepreneurs not two or three or five that control large parts of the economy so i think entrepreneurship in general but particularly disruptive technology driven scalable entrepreneurship is even more important i would say both in government and in public uh, let's say in political parties in the public sphere the greatest limitation is not money you know we are at least in uh, tamil nadu to some extent in kerala we are relatively well off states uh, we can finance almost anything as uh, somebody reminded me of a speech by the great economist keynes in the depth of the second world war where he argued that because of the way monetary policy works and banks work and access to resources and liquidities there so is almost anything that we can actually do that is as a government if we actually have the execution capability to get it done the way we want it done then we can certainly afford it because surely it will have a multiplier effect and will make more than our money back or the benefit will be far greater than the investment and so that i think holds true today at least in my understanding the greatest limitation of successful outcomes or the barrier to successful outcomes is simply lack of administrative and execution capability now some of that is not about human being some of that is just about scale the government of tamil nadu has something like 350 ias officers where in my opinion as a professional as ex consultant as a former manager i'd say we need probably 1000 we have hundreds of public sector at undertakings boards regulatory bodies 55 departments 38 districts in my finance department alone i have seven or eight ias officers imagine what the total need of the of the state is so the ability to actually systematically develop strong organizational models and then develop the human talent and the leadership talent in those organizations really i think is the limiting variable how well you get that done you have as much success as that that's true for government i think that's also true for enterprises it's certainly true for political parties one of the main reasons one party is so successful today is that they have just 
outstanding commitment in people and their ability to execute. Their philosophy may be different than mine, but I can't uh, fault their execution capability. I'll just say a few words about some of the things we're doing in Tamil Nadu uh, along the lines of promoting entrepreneurship because I think that might be relevant. Around uh, September, October last year, I was invited to one of the CII Connect events and then one in Anna University and so forth. And I saw a whole bunch of really promising startups in uh, drone applicability applications uh, in um, automated cooking using IoT for there's a, there's a bunch of things and uh, it occurred to me that actually the state of Tamil Nadu could be a um, big buyer of such services. So after repeated attempts and discussions, we now have something going on for the last seven or eight months and it's called Sell to Government Day. So one day a month, uh, one department, you know, the, the process takes a long time. You get a lot of people apply and we say these are the things we're looking for. All the startups that think they can provide those services to a government department, health or agriculture or uh, medical, I mean not, not medical, to um, public uh, distribution, food, food department. They get to pitch what are the products or services that they can deliver and they go through a process of screening first through online applications and then some committee and all that. And then we have one day where the top 15 or 20 come and pitch. And we've already been able to take a, a couple at least to my knowledge. I think many more happen but I'm not daily connected with it. But we're doing uh, some profound reforms in property tax um, management. Some of it driven by compulsions from the Indian government, but long needed after 25 or 27 years, we've raised the property taxes, though we're still about 30, 40, 50 percent behind most major states and cities. But enforcing the property tax collection is something else altogether. So we've been using um, a couple of these drone startups to do surveys of properties and do an assessment of the likely square footage, match that to the record and see if we're actually collecting the right amount of tax from the right people or at least billing them the right way. Then there's a whole different project we have with the MIT, the JPAL, um, the uh, Abdul Latif Jamal Poverty Action Lab where we're looking at how we can incentivize uh, better tax collection through our tax collectors because one of the big problems we have in government is that we don't have either the carrot or the stick. We don't have any way of incentivizing uh, most government employees to perform better and we don't have, you know, we have very, very limited ways of actually penalizing or uh, reprimanding or disciplining them. So in that kind of a model, what can you really do to get it? So those are some examples. We also used the, the automated cooking when our uh, pilot free breakfast at school program that has turned out to be a big hit. In the rural areas, we use self-help groups of the mothers of the children in the school. But in the urban areas, we have centralized kitchens with internet-operated automated cooking machines. So the hygiene, the quality, the consistency is all there. And that we got from a local startup as well. We've also set up, because we say we're for social justice, we're for eradication of the stratification of society. Uh, I announced in my budget a special 30 crore uh, seed investment fund for equity investments into startups by Adin Ravadar and uh, Palangudian, SEST entrepreneurs. 
we were not quite sure what we'd get. But just last evening, I was at a dinner with my finance secretary, and he said he had gone through the first round of, um, you know, kind of screening. And he said there were fantastic, brilliant companies. We get so many proposals that we think we're going to do really well. Not only are we going to invest the money, but many of them are going to be hugely successful and they haven't had the kind of access to capital that the government of Tamil Nadu can provide. Another initiative, we have off-balance sheet equity funding vehicles, an alternative investment fund manager, semi-registered, a bunch of banks are partners with us. We're about a 49% shareholder. It's called the Tamil Nadu Infrastructure Fund Management Corporation. And they were already running some funds, or they were pretending to run some funds for seven, eight years. I came in, I cleaned up, I took over as chairman. And now we're about to launch, uh, or we've just launched an emerging sector seed fund where we are going to invest the government and our partners' capital into uh, encouraging startups, and uh, particularly those startups that can help the government directly or be competitive. And in all of these, our view is that we want to grow with the company. As you may know, uh, Tamil Nadu has some history of this. There are three or four big, big public companies where we have been uh, one of the founding investors, and we still have massive stakes. The Titan Company being one of them, where I think we still own about 26% of the equity today. So there's some history. We learn and we adapt, and uh, we move forward with the current scenario and uh, the leveraging of technology. I think with that, um, I should stop talking and let me uh, congratulate in advance all the uh, winners of the awards today. Uh, let me uh, commend the work of the jury. I know this can't be easy when you have multiple brilliant applications or uh, possibilities. Um, I thank once again the organizers and the senior officers of Thai Kerala for persistently inviting me. I think I was uh, last time I was one on the video conference. I'm very happy to be here. I wish you all the best and as entrepreneurs I wish you all great success, create jobs, make yourselves rich and help the country. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much, Peter. It's such a pleasure listening to you and such an honor for us to have you with us. It's very gracious of you to say that you'll take a couple of questions. So, any of you have questions or you can probably uh, you know, make a note while we listen to our next speaker and we can probably come back. If you'd like to ask a question, please. What are your thoughts on uh, creating market-creating innovations, like more disruptive innovations and what type of educational system that we need? in our country. It will take me a long time, so I won't get into the examples. But I'm saying it's very hard to tell ahead of time what is market disrupting. Only after they reach some kind of critical mass and they start uh, making inroads. There are any number of examples of companies that have developed technologies even in-house that have turned out to be profoundly market-altering. And they have not been able to leverage that technology. Partly because they can't see the future that well. Partly because it would mean cannibalizing their own businesses. Right? There's, there's a whole host of examples. Um, in, in the, the examples that I know well because I lived in Western New York for a long time is that Eastman Kodak actually was the pioneer of digital cameras. But they didn't kind of grow them because they wanted to hold on to the film margin. 
and effectively the company went bankrupt. And there's, there's a whole number of things. So I think, you know, what it really requires is not anybody directing traffic. What it requires is people who have, as you say, educationally and culturally, the mindset that they are capable of changing the world. And it's really, the, a lot of the startup, uh, I don't know, uniqueness is about the culture in the team. It's about the people and the culture of the team. You know, a small bunch of people who believe they can change the world and who are willing to take the risk and willing to put in the work for that. And, you know, the ten times they get beaten down, not stop, but keep doing that. Of course, you can do a little bit to create such ecosystems, and some of them develop naturally. I mean, there's a reason why the Bay Area is home to so many startups. In Tamil Nadu, I can say that we have one such place where we have seen a lot of this kind of mindset, and that's the IIT Research Park, which is operating on government of Tamil Nadu land on a lease. It's a JV between us. And uh, there I've seen the kind of mindset that I used to see in the Valley, where people are really of the mind that if they make it happen, it can reach any level of scale. I'm not sure that educationally um, any particular institution or a particular curriculum can get you there. I think it's more a cultural thing and, it, and it's a kind of uh, company culture. Really, you know, at, at some level, what separates great companies from average ones in my decades of corporate experience is just the people and the culture. The people set the culture because nobody's permanent, people keep changing, and the culture persists if it's good enough for culture. And that really makes a competitive difference. And I think that's true for startups, much more so even than in large organizations. I'm Dr. George Joseph Timplinget, uh, Honorable Minister. I also happened to study in Trichy around the days you were there. And I also was in the US in the early days of the Thai, as well as in New York. We seem to have, have gone through some similar circles. Uh, my question, there are two parts to it. One, if we could have a couple of tunnels built under the western guards, starting on the Kumli side, on the Madure side, towards Travancore, the tons of water that goes waste from the rains in Kerala through the seven or eight or ten uh, southern Kerala rivers to the lakes and then onto the ocean. We could easily have it shipped through the tunnels to Tamil Nadu and the fertile soil in Tamil Nadu can come alive. I am the one who got the green bio toilets on the Indian Railway and no fecal matter dumps anywhere in India today. And unfortunately, thank you, thank you, unfortunately I am an unsung hero. I would love to come to Tamil Nadu and speak with you Honorable Minister to see how we could do waste management in India in such a way that we build districts in Tamil Nadu and Kerala that look comparable to Scandinavia, Japan or Switzerland. Why are we not dealing with garbage which is the biggest business opportunity and if we don't deal with garbage or tourism or no other industry will take off. Thank you, thank you, Dr. George. I think I must. Sorry thank to you. Thank, that's okay. But I think we must yeah. listen to the minister. Please, thanks. Thanks. Uh, please, please come to Chennai and see me. I, I have some constraints. I'm only the minister for finance. I'm not the minister for urban uh, affairs or municipal administration or water management. 
but uh, you come to Chennai and we'll figure out a way to get your ideas into the right places and I'll support it as best I can. Thank you. Thank you so much uh, for that commitment. Uh, Honourable Minister, the question is that uh, you are in charge of both finance and human resources. Uh, how is it done in Tamil Nadu? Like, is there a separate labour department? Or is there any cue we are getting in terms of how the Honourable Chief Minister allocated human resource and finance together, which we say the two capitals, you know, the, the human resource as well as the financial capital. How, how this got merged? Is there a separate labour department in Tamil Nadu or is under you? Uh, good question. Uh, very easy to answer. The labour department is the actual human resource department of the people of Tamil Nadu. Uh, what we call the human resource management in most states is called personnel and administrative reforms. So it's the department that has the recruiting, the, like the Tamil Nadu Public Service Commission, the training institutes, um, the right to information, the Lokayukta, the Department of Vigilance Anti-Corruption. It's basically the management of the human resources of the state. I must say that both in finance and in human resources, and I, as far as I'm concerned, the human resources department much more important than the finance department, uh, both good ways and bad ways. It's about 68% of the budget of our state's own revenue going. I'm the Minister for Finance, Pensions and Pension Benefits, uh, old personnel administrative reform now called human resource management, and then planning development and special initiatives, so a bunch of the administrative I don't know how the Chief Minister put it together, but now I tell you that the human resources portfolio is much more important than the finance portfolio. The finance portfolio can be fixed by competence, good relationships, good systems, etc. The human resource portfolio, like I said about other organizations, unless you can design an organization well with the right incentive alignment, with the right models for recruiting, training, uh, development, uh, kind of discipline and control, etc. And I, you know, uh, I'm constantly frustrated at the limited levers that uh, the government has. But I think that's true of all governments. It's by far the more challenging part of my job compared to the finance. Um, but there's a separate labor department, and a separate school education, higher education, and those look at the broader eight-crore people of Tamil Nadu. I just look at the somewhere between one and one and a half million, 10 and 15 like employees uh, directly or indirectly of the government. Thank you. Honorable Minister Ajit Mumpan, uh, you have a unique advantage of uh, straddling two different careers, uh, corporate and political. Curious to know uh, what learnings from corporate or principles have you been able to apply to politics? I think some things are universal, right? Uh, you cannot get better results unless you improve processes, right? Nobody does the same thing uh, and gets different outcomes. You have to do different things. Uh, I would say the principles of how to administer and how to design have a lot in common. I would say the distinction is that uh, in a corporate environment, you have two major advantages and one kind of limitation. The major advantages are everybody is aligned the same way. For the company to succeed, everybody knows you have to make more money or better margin or greater market share. Or it's not a complex dimension 
and there is not a lot of dispute about it. Uh, in government, many different people believe that the ambition should be many different things, not, not necessarily the same thing. And most companies don't operate in a monopoly or even an oligopoly or a cartel. They operate in a competitive market, in which case the market forces discipline on you. Either you keep up or you get left behind or you, you get ahead of your smart. Governments are monopolies by nature. In my state, I'm the only government. So there you don't have those pressures from outside. And it's very, very hard to drive change. The marginal uh, effort required to do the right thing in government is probably 100 times what is required to do the right thing. Because everybody wants to do the right thing if that right thing increases the company's competitiveness. Here, in fact, even yesterday, some very senior um, officer from Delhi, who is a Tamil Nadu cadre, who was visiting back Tamil Nadu and we were discussing in my office around this time yesterday. And we were saying that if you want to make change, the few people who will be disaffected by the change, even, even if it's the most fair change you can think of, meaning they've been getting hugely unfair advantages and you're going to take that away or take some of it away. Those people will yell and scream bloody murder as if, you know, the whole system is falling apart, you'll never win an election again, you know, this, that. And the many that benefit either will not speak up because they don't want to reveal that they benefited. Or they don't even know that we can't hear them because they are the poor and the weak and they don't have access to the corridors of power. So it's very, very hard to drive change and without change you cannot get results. So that's very unique about government. But the uh, solace that this very senior officer told me, he said, sir, if you get frustrated relative to corporate uh, kind of management, think about it this way, even moving the needle a little bit here changes the lives of many million people, as opposed to in co corporate world, all you're doing is making more money or getting a bigger bonus or driving the stock price. It's not the same. So I would say that's the real kind of trade-off between the corporate world and the Thank you so much for that.